Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. This is Alex. Good morning. This is Equity Monday, brought to you on a Tuesday due to an American holiday. But no matter what day of the week it is, we are here to get you caught up on the weekend that was and prep you for the week that will be. Today is September 5th, 2023, and that means that we are in the final month of Q3. Where has this year gone? It's been crazy, crazy fast. No matter though, we have a packed show for you this morning that includes a big run of SaaS earnings, the real scoop on crypto fundraising, ARM's new IPO price range, a new fund in Africa, Elon Musk's latest threats of legal action, and net neutrality in India. Packed show this morning. Let's go. Let's start with a look at the world of money, and that means stocks. Shares are mostly lower in Asia today, with Chinese stocks falling the most. In Europe, things are just a little bit mixed, but here in the US, stocks are set to fall at the open. Of course, we'll have to wait and see how things look at 9.30 Eastern. On the earnings front this week, we're going to hear from Zscaler, GitLab, and Asana today. Tomorrow is UiPath, Sprinkler, C3.ai, and Yext. Thursday brings us DocuSign, Smartsheet, Braze, and SecureWorks, and then Friday is Rent the Runway. That's cybersecurity, developer tools, workplace productivity, RPA, social, AI, the list goes on. Lots of good data coming your way this week. Next up, crypto. There is nothing much to report on the crypto price front. Bitcoin is worth around $26,000 and Ether is still around $1,600. Not a lot of movement. Total trading activity in the Web3 world, according to the Blocks data, is around the slowest pace since November of 2020, still above some historical periods, but definitely on the decline. Now, in other crypto news, Jacqueline Melanick and I reported recently that at first glance, August seemed to bring some relief to crypto startups, with VCs putting around $819 million into 91 companies in the month, according to data that we pulled from PitchBook. And that was up about 51% compared to the $543 million that companies in the space raised in July. However, it turns out that August really only looks good because of a huge $400 million round raised by HockX and a $100 million round raised by BitGo. So without those two kind of outstanding mega rounds, we'd actually have seen a dip in investment in Web3 in August compared to July. And if you pull a year-over-year comparison, the numbers actually look worse. Last August, Web3 companies raised $1.74 billion, so this August was a 53% decline before you even adjust the data. Not great. What can Web3 do to break the logjam? I don't know, but I'm tired of being negative about it. Next up, big news that matters, and that means we absolutely must talk about ARM. The biggest news in tech this morning is that Arm, the British chip designer, has set an initial price range for its IPO, and that is $47 to $51 per share. Now, a couple of notes. First of all, this is not the widest range we've ever seen, and we would not be shocked if the company hopes to raise its range before it does formally price. Reporting from Renaissance Capital pegs the company's midpoint valuation at $50.8 billion in this current range. Hold on to that number. It's going to matter later on. And the company's IPO would see $4.7 billion worth of shares sold, all from existing investors, aka SoftBank. Now, recall that Arm saw revenues of $2.7 billion in its most recent fiscal year, 
So the company is not going to be super cheap in revenue multiple terms. The question really in front of us is, do investors value ARM in terms of its recent performance or in anticipation of future growth and therefore greater profitability? Just don't expect the ARM IPO to smash the IPO window open. Connie Loises, TechCrunch's new editor-in-chief, interviewed longtime VC Heidi Roizen recently, and she said the following. Every company that goes public is different. I've never understood this concept of, well, the market is closed, but you take one super big company and you put it out there and all of a sudden everybody gets to go public again. I personally don't understand that. So no, I don't think it's going to blow the market open and that a whole line is going to march out there and we're going to have 50 IPOs between now and December. Fair enough, but maybe ARM plus Clavio plus Instacart will do it? I mean, I can dream, right? Next up, a new fund in Africa. TechCrunch reports that the Catalyst Fund has reached the first close of its $40 million targeted fund intended for investment in climate startups in Africa. The fund announced today an initial close of $8.6 million with the backing of FSD Africa Investments, Cisco Foundation, USAID Prosper Africa, and tech investor Andrew Bredenkamp. Now, the fund plans to invest in agtechs, insurtechs, climate fintechs, and startups in fishery management, food systems, cold chain, waste management, and water management. Now, the fund will invest across Africa and is targeting pre-seed startups and has already put capital into 10 from six countries, including Egypt, Senegal, and Morocco. The fund plans to invest in about 20 startups this year and a total of about 40 in the long run. We're looking at pre-seed checks of around 200K up to 500 and then $1.5 million for Series A rounds. Love a new fund, love more money in Africa, love a climate tech focus, Catalyst Fund, very cool. Next up, Elon Musk. This weekend's Elon Musk story has several parts. First, the owner of the social network formerly known as Twitter is unhappy. He wrote over the weekend that while he is in favor of free speech, he is opposed to anti-Semitism. Asked why he tweeted that, Musk wrote that since he bought Twitter, the Anti-Defamation League, or ADL, which works to combat anti-Semitism and other forms of bigotry, has, quote, been trying to kill the platform by falsely accusing it and Elon of being anti-Semitic. The CEO went on to add that Twitter's U.S. advertising revenue is, quote, still down 60%, primarily due to pressure on advertisers by the ADL. And then he added that they almost succeeded in killing Twitter. He later went on to say that he will sue the ADL, promising the same again in a follow-up tweet, and said that the ADL could, quote, be on the hook for destroying half the value of the company, so roughly $22 billion. Now, I would like to not talk about Musk for a bit but he keeps finding new ways to stay in the news. And you are entitled to your opinion about Twitter's past, present, and future moderation policies. We could debate that until the heat death of the universe. But I will say that blaming the Anti-Defamation League for the results of your own business operations and personal choices is a very interesting way to argue that one is not anti-Semitic. And because we are running out of time, two quick ones to close us out. First, China is planning an even larger state-run semiconductor-focused fund, up to $41 billion this time, larger than the $19 billion and $27 billion funds it previously put together, according to Reuters. That's a lot of money. The question is whether or not the massive fundraising push will have the expected results. 
And then there is a major net neutrality battle brewing in India, where TechCrunch's Manish Singh reports that ISPs want tech companies to pay for space that their content takes up on the ISP's own networks. This is the same old song and dance. ISPs want consumers to pay them for accessing their network, and the folks that those paying customers want to access should pay as well in their view. The issue is without the tech companies and other major online platforms, there wouldn't be as much demand for mobile and other internet networks. That it's not cheap to be an ISP is absolutely not news, but it's also a pretty damn solid business. Again, not news. Forcing major tech companies to pay for consumer demand for access to their products may sound good or perhaps even fair, but would in effect create a system where the largest companies would expect preferential treatment harming new and upcoming internet businesses. More or less, and I feel like a broken record here, the dumber and fatter we keep internet pipes, the better. And this is just one more chapter in defending the web from control by single points of failure or the most wealthy corporations in the world. And that is our show for this fine Tuesday morning. Don't forget, of course, that Equity is Equity Pod on Twitter and Threads, and we'll be kicking off TechCrunch Disrupt this September 19th through the 21st in San Francisco. It's going to be a bop. And if you want my tweets, well, you can follow me. My handle is Alex. Finally, if you need even more podcasts from your dear friends here at TechCrunch, Chain Reaction and Found, our sister shows, come out every single week and are well worth your time. All right, we're back tomorrow. See you then. Bye. Equity is hosted by myself, Editor-in-Chief of TechCrunch Plus, Alex Wilhelm, and TechCrunch Senior Reporter, Mary Ann Azevedo. We are produced by Teresa Loconsolo with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. And a big thank you to the audience development team and Henry Picavet, who manages TechCrunch Audio Products. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.